0: of the pastors here, and uh, we're in a series called Life Hacks, and for the past four weeks what we've been doing is just going before God and saying, God, there are areas of our life we pray for advice, we pray, God, for your help, we pray for you to show up in these spaces, and somehow God has already answered many of our questions in his word. And so every week we've taken a topic. Last week was marriage, and we've talked about our emotions. And I don't want you to miss out. If you miss one of those messages, you need to go back and listen to it. Today we're going to be talking about our careers. Okay, I believe it's going to be really helpful. But before we get started, I want to make you aware that next week is Mother's Day okay so if you're a dad in the room you are now on the hook okay you now know for sure when Mother's Day is there's no excuses for next weekend okay Mother's Day is next weekend for us we love Mother's Day you already saw that on the announcements we're dedicating kids and so if you have children that have you you've never dedicated them at church we we don't do baptism Uh, baptism is reserved for somebody who's made the conscientious decision to say I'm going to follow Jesus and then I want to publicly Announced that through baptism, but for us, this is dedication. This is us as parents saying, "I want to dedicate my myself to raising this child in a way that honors God." And it's us as a church saying, "We are dedicated to resourcing you and partnering with you as parents." And so that's next week. And if you you have kids, you might be saying, "Well, they're they're a little older." That's what we don't care how old they are. All right. If you got a kid in in, in college and you're like, "Man, I need to dedicate that kid," okay, We're, we'll do whatever. Okay, just sign up at guest service. And next week, listen, my wife is speaking, okay? If you've ever heard my wife speak, you know you don't want to miss okay? She's just like, there's a little fire, and you bring some gasoline, and you pour it on that. That's what you're going to get with my wife. It's a big explosion of emotions, and heart, and passion. It's going to be so good. I don't want you to miss that next week, and I want to give a shout out before we get started to our setup team. And We we do church in a movie theater, okay? I mean, that's where we do it, and every Sunday morning, there's a group of people who show up to really move us in, and then they stick around to help move us out we've been doing portable church for over a decade and it's allowed us in many ways to do things we couldn't have done and these people deserve to be celebrated as a matter of fact me and my family driving in, I brought two of our three kids and we prayed and and I just invited them, guys would you pray with me and then would you pray we're going to take turns praying out loud and my, my middle child said, God I just thank you for those who show up early and put you on display I mean come on, you might not know you're making a difference but there's some people around that see it, that see the difference that you're making and you're showing off and showing Jesus to a world, listen that's an amazing thing I'm so thankful for those of you that are on that team. Now, for our passage of Scripture today, we're going to go to Colossians. I love the book of Colossians so much. We actually preached through it a few years ago. I'd love for you, if you have not ever read that, you go back and listen to those messages. Colossians chapter 1 opens with the Christology of the Apostle Paul. It's a beautiful poem all throughout the first chapter about who Jesus is. And then in the second chapter, the Apostle Paul implores us to surrender to that Jesus and to find life. He goes so far as to say, you're, you're now alive in Christ. You're, you're dead to to who you used to be. And then he begins to talk in chapter 3 about the implications of choosing to follow Jesus. We're going to read quite a bit out of that chapter, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as we read through the Word of God? Today we're reading out of the message paraphrase. And the message paraphrase was written by a guy named Eugene Peterson. He was a pastor, seminary professor, and at the end of his life lived in a remote area in Montana. And a publisher stumbled across some of the writings where he had taken the Psalms and changed them into modern language and published them. And then they began to implore him, "We want the whole... so." He ended up paraphrasing the entire Bible took the original text and translated it into modern language. So some of these verses we've heard before, but perhaps not in this way. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 1. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. You Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes on the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered. Content with second place. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. In step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate Thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your life, your words, your actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Wives, Understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honor the Master. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. Children, do what your parents tell you for this delights the Master to no end. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. Servants, servants, Do what you're told by your earthly masters. And don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that your word will land in our hearts with full effect. That as we stand in your presence, you would open our hearts, Holy Spirit, to what you long to do in this room. Where there's hardness, convict our hearts. Where there's disobedience, challenge us. And God, would you do it not so that we'd be right or better. God, do it so that we can please you. So that our lives are lived in such a way that we please in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Before we get started, I want to make a few observations about the text that we just read. It's a progression. It's really this beautiful consensus of what happens when we choose to follow Jesus. And the first thing that you see at the beginning of this chapter is following Jesus is not some casual Sunday-only pursuit. It's a radical change. This isn't just a, I checked the box off and said I believe in God. No, there's something substantively that changes about who we are. Look at what it says very beginning. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Act like it. Why does the Bible say to act like it? Because there's some of us that we don't. We get outside of a Sunday morning. We get into conflict with our spouse. We get to work. We get, we get with our neighbors. And we don't act like it. We don't act like we're serious about the things of God. In the very opening attitude in this chapter, the precept is if you want to follow God, start acting like it. Pursue the things of Christ. Get your mind and your perception focused on Christ. Don't be self-absorbed. The old me is dead. The new me has come alive. And I'm only alive in Jesus. And as Paul begins to build this case through Colossians 3, you start to see this. When you follow Jesus, you change on the inside. I don't just stay the same. I'm not the same person I was when I chose Him. And I'm not the same person I was six months ago. God, through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, consistently encounters us and changes us. And He changes us on the inside. So many of us want to change the things on the outside of our lives. But that's not how God works. God changes the stuff on the inside and then it has outside implications. Look what it says in verse 12. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Think about those attributes. Where do they happen? They happen on the inside. Kindness, humility, discipline. It has to be given birth to in our soul before it ever really finds a place on the outside. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, Be even tempered. Don't be so roller coaster. Don't be so angry all the time. Be content with coming in second. Be quick to forgive. Forgive each other the way the Master's forgiven you. And above all, love. Love. There's this hard pivot where this simple reality is shown in this chapter that when we change on the inside, it changes how we treat one another. I want you to hear this. If you're still treating people the same way you treated people before you came to know Jesus, you didn't meet Jesus. Because meeting Jesus, surrendering your life to Jesus, it changes how we treat each other. That phrase, one another, it's all throughout the New Testament. Love one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Because when God does something inside of you, it doesn't stay inside of you. God does something in me that He wants to do through me. He loves me so that I can love others. He forgives me so that I can forgive others. It should change that. Look at what it says. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. So he begins to say, So now instruct each other with common sense. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, go all out and love for your wives. Kids, honor and obey your parents that have authority in your life. Parents, don't be harsh with your kids. Why does he talk about family? Because if we've been changed by God, it should change the way we do family. And then all of this, God is serious about we should pursue Him. Let's get serious about it. And if we are, it changes us. And then it begins to change the way we treat each other. And if you pay attention, the end of the chapter starts to talk about work. Why? Because the way we work says a lot about our relationship with God. The way we work says a lot about our relationship with God. So let's talk about work. I'm going to give you three simple principles when it comes to understanding what work is. And the first one is this. Work is a blessing, not a curse. It is a blessing, not a curse. Some of us have the wrong understanding, biblically, of work. Because we've been taught... That everything was provided in the garden and after Adam and Eve sinned, God pronounced at the end of Genesis 3, which theologians call it the curses that came as a result of sin, now you've got to work and that's not true. Work appears in the story before sinned In Genesis two fifteen. the Bible says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Look at this, to work it and to keep it. There's something simple and practical there that I want you to see today. There are areas in your life that God has called you to work. And if you won't work it, you won't keep it. There's work that has to be done in your marriage. And if you won't work in your marriage, you won't keep your marriage. There's work that has to be done in your physical body to stay healthy, and if you won't work for it, you won't keep it. And God put Adam, and he took him into the garden, and he says, you are here to work it, and if you'll work it, you can keep it. What was the work? God said simply, take dominion, be fruitful, and multiply. Lead it, and then you be fruitful and multiply. Work was assigned before the fall. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a calling. It's not a curse. Y'all listen, there are a lot of different kinds of work that we do. We got our jobs. We're going to go to work tomorrow morning. Some of us are teachers and we're going to show up to teach some kids who don't want to know the stuff that we got to teach them. Some of us, right, we're, we're a little bit later in life and And we we actually are not looking forward to going to work. It's changed. Stuff is different. This post-COVID era, some of us are retired, and tomorrow morning we get to go to work for ourselves. Some of us, right, we don't like our jobs. I don't want to go to work. There's different kinds of work, though. There's marriage work. Some of us left last week. That message on marriage saying, we got some work to do. We got to learn how to communicate a little bit better. We got to manage our expectations of each other a little bit better. There's parent work, right? Some of you, it's changing diapers. You got some babies at home and you got some diapers to change. Some parent work is, I'm packing lunches. Maybe maybe parent work is, I've I've got to discipline my kids. And then there's housework. How many of y'all hate housework? Anybody in here, I just hate housework. The doing laundry, sweeping floors, and doing dishes. I want you to see this. This is going to hurt your heart a little bit, okay? There are people praying for the blessings you already have. Every blessing comes with work. And there are people that are praying for the blessings that you're having to work in right now. There are people praying, God, would you send the right spouse? I want to get married, but I want to get married in a way that honors you. And you felt that. You got engaged. You got married. And now there's work to do in your marriage. People praying for what you have. There's people praying right now, God, would you bless us with a child struggling with infertility? Y'all, we prayed for six years. I watched my wife cry as teenagers in our student ministry were pregnant. Friends got pregnant. That child that's wearing you out with all the work that comes with it is for many of us, it's a blessing we prayed for. And there are people praying for that blessing right now. That job that for many of us, we don't want to go to tomorrow morning, just reverse it a few years. And we were praying, God, would You give me that job? People out there who are jobless right now, just praying, God, would you send the right job? And if you've traveled internationally, it doesn't take a lot of travel for you to realize there are people in this world that do not have the kind of homes we have, that do not have the kind of luxury we have in our homes. I mean, there's a phenomenon in our culture now called the Sunday scaries. Or come Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, people start to get anxious. Start to get a little depressed because they got to go back to work on Monday. I want to say this because you need to hear it. We do not understand work culturally. We do not. We have degraded and downgraded our perspective of work. Work is not a curse to calling. And this is why I want you to see this. Number two, every good thing requires hard work. Every good thing in your life is going to require hard work. If you don't like hard work, you're not going to have a lot of good things. Every good thing requires hard work. Can I just give you a list? This ain't in your notes. Good things that require hard work. Here's one, a thriving marriage. Some of y'all want your marriage to look different. You want to communicate better. You want to have better intimacy. You want to get around each other and do better when it comes to conflict and managing your expectations and some of the stuff we talked about last week. You want to know what? It takes hard work. It's hard work. Thriving marriage takes hard work. You want physical health. You want to be healthy physically. Oh, I can remember... Starting to work out with one of our family friends. He's worked out since he was about like 11 years old. I mean, just a stud. I ain't never worked out a day in my life And I go in and, man, we working out for a few weeks. I'm learning the ropes of lifting some weights with him. And I come in, man, I'm so sore, bro. I am so excited to get to the point where I can lift weights and not be sore. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. Man, I've been sore for 40 years. I remember light bulb, boom, takes hard work. You want to be healthy? It takes hard work. You know what else is? It? Consistent parenting takes hard work. Oh, and culturally, we're not good with this. We got some parents that want to parent with intensity. I give 45 good minutes and then take two weeks off. No, that's not your job. Your job is to be consistent. It's to put up boundaries and say, no, 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 no. Make sure that those boundaries stay consistent. Consistent parenting is hard work. Emotional health is hard work. There's some of you in here struggling with anxiety. Struggling with depression. And I want you to hear this. Where you are is not where you have to stay. But you won't get out of where you are without some hard work. The hard work of going to a counselor. Being honest about what you're doing. Being willing to get some advice and get some help. Emotional health is hard work. If you missed it, the very first week of this series was about that. Financial success. It takes some hard work to be successful financially. To say no to things that everybody else is saying yes to. To live with a budget. To live with a plan. It's hard work to be successful financially. It's hard work to overcome your issues. We all have issues. Every person in this room has got some issues. And for some of you, you're just trying to manage your issues. I just don't want them to derail me. For some of you, your issues are bringing you down. But there's some of us in the room, we have overcome some issues. I was an addict. I'm no longer an addict. I was controlling. I'm no longer controlling. I was passive, but I'm no longer passive. Why? Because you put in the hard work to overcome the issue. You won't get over it if you don't put in the hard work. Now listen. There's so much of the Bible that pairs our hard work with God's providential blessing that comes with it the promise that is attached to it we love the promise we don't like the hard work Romans 8 look at this verse 28 we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose right we love that I'm going through a difficult season. I know God's going to turn it into something good. There's something that people want to say was bad that happened in my life. God's going to turn it into something good. If it's not good, God's not done. But there's a part in that verse that's your job. God works all things for the good of those who love Him And are called according to His purposes. Not their purposes. Not their mama's purposes. Not everybody else's purposes. According to God's purpose. Oh God, I love you. And I'm here because you called me. God is going to turn it into something good. It's a good promise. That's the part that God does. He's going to turn it into something good. But then there's the part that we do. There's hard work. Proverbs 21 says, The horse is prepared for the day of the battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. Who prepares the horse? We do. We prepare the horse. Who delivers victory? God does. Y'all need to hear me. Every good thing in life comes with hard work. That's why number three, a bad attitude regarding work can hold you back from a lot of good things if you're not willing to work, if you don't value work, if you don't see work for what it is, the opportunity that it is, that bad attitude will keep you from the good things that God wants to give you. Can I give you a list, a simple list of bad attitudes we can have at work? Oh, some of these are going to hurt a little bit, okay? Y'all just get ready. Get your hearts prepared. The first one's being lazy being lazy. Lazy people don't ever start something. They don't ever finish it. They're not the ones that volunteer. They don't go above and beyond being lazy. The Bible actually talks about lazy people all the way throughout the book of Proverbs, and it calls them a name. Now, it doesn't give you permission to call people names, but the Bible calls them a name. It calls them sluggards. I love that word. You sluggard don't be like the slug. It's a lazy person. It's a bad attitude regarding work. An entitled person. It's another attitude. You know what it means to be entitled? It means you owe it to me. I ought not to have to work for that. Some of y'all, you're struggling because you there are things in your life that you should have to work for that you're saying that ought to be for free. I ought to get that. You owe me that. God, you owe me that. Person, you owe me that. Work, you owe me respect. You owe me the accolades. You owe me the promotion. You owe me the raise. I'm entitled to it. Shouldn't have to work for it. Rebellious. This is another bad attitude. People don't understand this word. Can I explain it? Rebellious. Rebellious is the opposite of submitted. Okay? Submitted is God put authority in my life. I'm here to honor and submit that authority. Okay? Rebellious is, I question everything you say. I ain't going to do it. I don't care if you said it. I'm going to do it my own way. I don't know. You want to know what? You you might see me doing it, but I'm going to do it. I'm doing it not because you told me. I'm doing it because I wanted to. Rebellious. Rebellious. Self-righteous is another one. Self-righteous. The people who are always right. Can't ever tell them that you did that wrong. There's a different way. I'd rather it be this way. You can't coach them. You can't correct them because they're always right. Self-righteous people. Bad attitude when it comes to work. Here's another one. Careless. Don't even care. I mean, who cares if it's right? I tried, okay? You're lucky I'm here. Right? You listen to me. Your marriage, your heart, your emotions, your finances, your health. There are good things that God wants to do in your life. But your attitude about work is holding you back. The way you think about it, your perception about it, God wants to do. And here's the good news. Your attitude is your choice. You can choose a different attitude. You don't have to be entitled. You don't have to be rebellious. You don't have to be lazy. You can choose to be something different. See, your attitude's You can either empower yourself or sabotage yourself with your attitudes. I tell you right now, as an employer, I'll take somebody with a lower level of talent who has a higher level of attitude. The right attitude. You can choose that. I'm going to give you my best, I'm going to work my hardest. Or some of us are sabotaging ourselves. Because we have a bad attitude when it comes to work. Y'all look at me. Everybody take a break from work and just look at me. We've got to get this right. We've got to get this right. And I want you to hear why. You will spend one third of your waking hours working. And that that's not a curse. That's not a curse. It's a calling. It's a blessing one-third of your waking hours. But if you had the wrong attitude about it, you will let yourself be robbed of the blessing that that third of your life was meant to direct into your life got too many people out here just looking for a job, just trying to find a job. Listen, 27% of college graduates are working in a field that's not even related to their degree, just whatever job I can get. One third of college graduates are working jobs that don't even require a degree. I mean, we live in a world right now where people just want to find the, the right job. To, this job pays more. This job has better benefits. I didn't like my boss. Just moving jobs. As Jesus followers, we don't want a job. We want a calling. We want a calling. You might be saying, what's that mean? Now obviously, there, there's the, sense that God directs our life and God calls us to maybe a field or to specifically a job, but look at this, our calling is where our giftedness our opportunity and our God inspired passion collide within our lives, there's some of you you're passionate about stuff you don't have an opportunity to do, that's not a calling right now, it might be but it might be that God's got to develop you in a different place to get you there some of us are passionate about doing something we're not gifted for, okay? Now, God does give spiritual gifts, and it doesn't mean that God won't give you that gift. But if you're not gifted to do the job that you're, I'm so passionate about, it's probably not a calling right now. Our calling is where our giftedness, our passions, and opportunity converge. And we've got to get this right. We've got to get work right. So I'm going to give you a few observations from the text today to help you hack your career, to help you hack your work life. And here's the first one. Train yourself to do what you're told by those who hold authority in your life. I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all did not want hear that. Train yourself. Why do you have to train yourself? Because we live in a world that doesn't want anybody to tell us what to do. Train yourself to do what you're told by those who hold authority in your life. What? Do what I'm told. Some of y'all on the inside, you are pushing back so hard right now. What? No, I'm I'm a smart person. I'm an independent person. I'm a free thinker. Do what I'm told. Yes. You know what that's called? It's called obedience. And it's fundamental to the gospel. You cannot receive the gospel of Jesus Christ without falling at His feet and saying, I'll do whatever you say. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to live. I want to follow you. It is saying, I'm willing to do what I'm told. See, here's the thing. If you struggle being obedient to an authority you can see, you'll certainly struggle being submitted to a God you cannot see. This is why God put horizontal authority in our lives. You've got a boss. You've got a coach. There's authority within our families. Might be a parent. And we're called to submit to that authority. Why? Because the way that we submit to earthly authority mirrors the way that we submit to the vertical authority that God has in our lives. Notice what the text said in verse 22. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters. And don't just do the minimum to get you by. Do your best. Do you realize that last year in the middle of 2022 a phenomenon started across the nation dealing with millennials and gen z as they entered the workforce it was called quiet quitting you would know what it was it was people saying i don't have the guts to quit my job but what i'll do is show up and do the absolute bare minimum to not get fired I'm not going above and beyond. I'm not doing my best. Culturally, we do not understand work. We don't. And one of the reasons is we don't understand authority and submission. You want to hack your career? Train yourself to do what you're told by the people who hold authority in your life. And then number two, don't ever do a half-hearted job. Don't ever do a half-hearted job. Don't even let that be possible for who you are. Don't do a half-hearted job. Always serve wholeheartedly. I mean, put your whole heart into what you do. Don't ever do a half-hearted job. I want you to ask this question about yourself. Does your work set you apart? If we were to take a step back and look at the way you serve within your job, serve within your life, does your work set you apart? And I'm not just talking about the quality of your work. Because there are people who are phenomenal tacticians at what they do, but the way that they operate within their career is so broken. It's not just your quality of work. It's your relationship. It's your compassion. It's your kindness. It's your humility. See, every vector of your life represents an opportunity to put Jesus on display. That's in your personal life, in your private life, in your public life, in your professional life. That's in your spiritual life. All of these different vectors of life, we are called to put Jesus Christ on display. The Bible never gives us permission to relax in one. Oh no, but God, look at how good of a job I'm doing at home. I know I'm not doing it at work, but God, look at what I'm... No. We're called to all of it. We're called to all. Why? Because it's who God is within us. It's who he transforms us to become. See, if you can't serve wholeheartedly, ask yourself the right questions. Because what happens is a lot of us get into those moments. We get into times when we're, we're saying, there's something wrong. I don't feel like I can give my whole heart to this. And what happens is we start asking questions about our environment and our circumstances. But the real question is this Is the problem me? Is the problem me? And I, I'm going to venture to say this, y'all need to hear this. More often than not, it is. Is the problem me? Is it my attitude? Do I have issues with authority? Am I difficult to work with? Am I prideful? Is the problem me? Here's why this is so important to ask. If the problem is you, the problem will move with you. We've had friends get this job. Oh, this is the perfect answer for our lives. I did not like where I was working at. I love my new boss. Three months later, I'm looking for a new job. I found a new job. I love it. Love my boss. It's so good. Can't wait. I love it. Three months later, new job. And you just want to go, hey, honey, the problem ain't your boss. The problem's you. So, only common denominator with all of this is you. You've moved, and the problems have moved with you. Now here's the thing that's so true for all of us. We often look outside of us, and we feel the tensions... But the real tensions that we feel are inside of us. Let me give you some simple explanation of that. Come home from work. I was disrespected at work today. I was disrespected. Well, what happened? Well, I did all this stuff, and nobody even acknowledged it, nobody said anything. It was disrespect. That's not disrespect, that's you need to be validated you got an internal need to be validated by people. You need to hear from people around you, not from your heavenly Father. You need to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, from everybody that you're doing. Not from the Lord. You have a, a problem with how you expect to be validated. Not disrespect. Some of us, well, I'm not appreciated at my job. I'm not. I go above and beyond, and I try to help that person, and I try to help that person, and I try to help that person, and they don't ever say thank you. The problem isn't them. Listen, the problem's you. You're a people pleaser, and you took that in you with you into work, and you're expecting everybody to turn back around and treat you the same way. The tensions we feel are often within us. And we got to take a step back and ask the question, the right question, is it me? Is it me? Because the wrong questions start with, what's wrong with my boss? What's wrong with my job? What's wrong with the benefits package? What's wrong with my... Listen, there's always going to be something wrong with your boss. Because every boss you're going to have is a human that's flawed and sinful. Now, some of them are more flawed and more sinful than others but there is no such thing as the perfect job and the perfect boss. And far too many times, the real issue is that we're looking for something in our career that we'll never find in our career. We're looking for something in a job that we'll never find in our job. That's where the number four comes from. Your greatest fulfillment in life will be in pleasing In following Jesus. There are no exceptions to this. This is what you were made for. I mean there are good jobs. That we've been assigned. The job of husband and wife. Wonderful. I love my wife. I love what we get to do together. As we build a life together. But that job will never be more fulfilling. Than my relationship with Jesus Christ. I love being a father. I had never held an infant before I held my daughter. She was the first baby I ever held. I've never been more changed or more impacted by a pursuit than I have being a father outside of my relationship with God. But my kids will never replace my relationship with Jesus. Never. I love what I do as a pastor. It's a calling. It's a passion. I love what I do investing in other pastors in other places. But it will never replace Jesus. No job can replace Jesus. No role in your life can replace Jesus. As a matter of fact, Every job, every role is a place where we're just called to encounter God and deepen our relationship with Him. See, some of us, y'all listen to me because this is important to hear. Some of us replace the God of the calling with the calling from God. And we take the work that we did in relating to God and going to God and all of a sudden we start Totally ignoring God just to do what He's called us to do. Y'all listen to me. God didn't make you to do chores. He made you for relationship with Himself. That's why you were created. God made you to love you. God made you to be with you. God made you so that you could love Him. It's the only way we'll ever know love. It's the only way we'll ever be fulfilled in any of it. And actually, that's the hack. That's the hack for your career. So many of us are looking for fulfillment, the right job and the right boss and the right opportunity. But here's the hack. You need to be able to show up knowing God called you to it and choose to please God through it. And when you find that, when you find that, you have found something that is valuable and worth the pursuit. It's worth a third of my life to say, God, I am called to this and I get to please you and encounter you and know you through it. It's why we're here. We're alive to please God. You're not alive to please yourself. You're not alive to please your spouse. You're not alive to please other people, to please your kids. You're alive to please God. That's why He made you. And that's the only place that you'll ever find fulfillment, satisfaction. But I need to make a few statements when it comes to pleasing God. When we think about it in regards to our careers and our jobs. The first one is this. It does not please God to sacrifice your family. There are too many, especially men, who are willing to say, I've got to put my family on pause so that I cannot be there. I'm, we got Christmas coming. I've got to earn a little bit more money to buy Christmas presents. So I'm going to be working nights. I'm going to be working weekends. I'm going to be going, y'all listen to me. Your kids need you present more than they need a Christmas present. Than a birthday present. Your presence is more valuable. Do not sacrifice your family for your job. And this is the big one. It does not please God to sacrifice your faithfulness to Him and His kingdom trying to build a career. Oh, I've seen too many people. Well, you know, it's only going to be for a season. We won't be attending church because I'm going to be working on the weekends. And the next thing you know, Not only are they not attending church, but they're not living for God. Why? Because they pulled out of their faithfulness to God to be faithful to what they were looking to be their God. Your career is not your God. Your boss is not your God. And you need to know that. And you can't sacrifice your relationship with God trying to build a career. And sometimes it'll be that we pull our presence out of the things of God. Y'all listen to me. Sometimes it'll be that we sacrifice the way we do our job, that we do things that are immoral. We do things that are even broken and illegal, trying to further our career, but sacrificing our relationship with God. So to really build a career that's fulfilling and satisfying, you're going to have to please God through your career. But I want to make one final point. Some of us in this room, we need to hear this today. You can't please God without knowing Him. And for some of you, this has been why. You go to your job and you're like, this is so empty and it's so broken. And you go to a new job, this is so empty, it's so broken. And you keep trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction in so many different areas of your life. And you'll never find it because you have not pursued a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't please Him without knowing Him. It's only in the confines of our relationship with Him. That we please Him. So today, maybe for you, there's an attitude about an area of work. Maybe it's work that you need to do in your marriage. Maybe it's your career that you need to repent for. Maybe today there's an area of your life it feels kind of broken and difficult right now. But you know you got to put some hard work in. There's a good gift in it. Maybe today you're that person. You know what, God, I. I need to start just doing what you tell me to do. Maybe you're here today. You know that you've been looking for a lot of satisfaction in a lot of different places, but you'll never find it outside of our relationship. You don't have a relationship with God. Maybe right now is the moment for you to repent and say, God, I'm, I'm coming to you. I want a relationship with you. Thanks for listening.